Presented by the Hockey Shop Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. This is In Goal Radio, the podcast. Nobody is happier that we are up and we are on the air with this episode than David Hutchison, who uh, no longer has to listen to Kevin Woodley and Darren Millard do all their little banter back and forth and little innuendos and shots. Uh, we are just uh, into the episode, right, Hutch? Like you, you get frustrated with us every now and then with that dad face. I don't get frustrated with you guys. I love it. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you kids, you all assume that dad's mad. Dad's loving it. It's all good. <laughs> your, your head's in your hands and you're I, just like, I'm laughing. We, we just get on with this thing. I'm laughing at you two a lot, but I'm not frustrated. <laughs> we have a lot going on today. Uh, Curtis Sanford's going to join us for the Sense Arena a feature interview. Uh, he's a player that uh, obviously got to know Kevin Woodley in his time with the uh, the Vancouver Canucks in the lower mainland, but had a, a really cool career. And it's just, again, one of those careers that kind of came out of nowhere. And the story about how he turned pro is both uh, unique, uh, hard to believe, and really impressive. And uh, the way it just turned around on a dime for uh, Curtis Sanford. So that's coming up in just a little bit. We also have our gear segment uh, from Cam and uh, Woody at the uh, Source for Sports, uh, Surrey, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. Uh, today, we're going to deal with some uh, youth gear uh, by Bauer. Uh, that's all straight ahead, but uh, some some happenings in and around the National Hockey League. And uh, we have the, what do, you, what do you call it, the Gordie Howe version of, of goaltending, of the Gordie Howe hat trick, Woody? Yeah, like, I don't know, do, do we start this? Because Freddie Anderson, and I might be paying uh, extra special attention to this because I, I just happen to have him in a hockey pool that counts shutouts for five points, wins for two, and I think uh, assists for three, and then goals are 10. He didn't get the goal, but he got the shutout, the win, and the assist. So thank you, Frederick Anderson. Uh, I apologize in some of the preseason radio hits I did if I wondered aloud whether a low shot environment like Carolina was the best thing for you, because he is absolutely killing it with the Canes right now. Uh, and I'm sure like Maple Leafs fans are not losing their minds at all about the fact that the goaltender they let go is 6-0-0 and just atop the league with like a 9.56 save percentage, just absolutely on a tear in Carolina. And I don't know, guys, what do you think? Like, do you, I know, Hutch, you think you need a goal for the Gordie Howe hat trick with goaltending, but I, like, I think we have to be realistic clear. I'm not even sure how many times this has happened, let alone a goal. It's pretty much got to be never. Well, or, or maybe you can substitute a fight as well, but I mean, it can't just be, it can't be easy, Woody. Well, speaking of, well, speaking of fights, I think Jordan Binnington's trying to get that Gordie Howe hat trick again be last the night. Hat trick, yeah. Honestly, like, can, can somebody not step up and give him a dance partner? Because he's been going around the league for a couple of years now looking for this thing and, he, and he, nobody will go with him. I'm just a little surprised somebody hasn't stepped up. I mean, everybody complains about what he's doing and what he's saying. So is he that intimidating? Is Kadri scared of him or something? Like, what's going to happen here? I, well, no, I don't know. Well, what's he like? I think it's got to be a goalie, doesn't it? Like, like I think if a player attacked a goalie and like literally dropped the gloves with them, I like, I don't, is that like some kind of like just like so far off the grid faux pas? Would the goalie union be screaming about it? Or is half the people like, okay, like somebody just finally answer this bell he keeps inviting you to? Well, I don't want to be unsupportive of the goaltenders here, but he's sort of got maybe it's just unfair for everybody in this situation, but you're penalized right away if you take your helmet off in a fight but of course you're not going to start slugging away at a goaltender's mask now are you or it's going to end up looking like marty jones cage last night you uh so 
what are the odds of a of a goalie fight happening now with these rules? How or many times? Just pull it off? How many times have you seen a goaltender fight a skater? Well, it's got to be. That. It's got to be. Isn't it like Andrew Peters and Ray Emery? Isn't that like the only? Did that happen once? Didn't that happen? And once? Ron Hextall and uh, was it Chelios uh, way back when in in, in the pregame war? I'm I, I, I'm trying to yeah. rack my brain on this. You know what? Like I think we just got to turn it over to our listeners because they'll right. they'll let us know with an update. Because I got to say, guys, like we got a few. Um, that deserve some credit that have sent us notes. And now I'm scrambling through the IG to find out who it is. Remember when we were talking about m- mismatched equipment yeah. and it was Corey Schneider finally going to the all true? Like right away, I get notes from Sean Kelly with a list uh, who follows us on Instagram and is really active, sort of sending us some great uh, stories and, and things like that. And then um, there's a couple other ones. Um that that sent us lists. Uh, I think it might have been. Uh, Are you scrolling through I'm, IG I'm right now? I'm literally scrolling, trying to find the guys that sent us all the lists of the mismatched guys that you know don't have the matching equipment. Okay, um, you, you scroll, Phil, you scroll. Phil, I'll, Phil, I'll talk to Hutch for a second. Okay, Hutch, if 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 it's the Gordy Howe hat trick, and we've got a goal, an assist, and a fight, and we're going to have the goalie version of that with a win, a shutout and an assist who's it named after it can't be Gordie Howe goaltending uh so is it is it Marty Brodeur uh an exceptional puck handler who who do you think that 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 whole accomplishment should be named after well I'm I'm just going to start scrolling through IG here to see if I can figure out who that should be so you go talk to your other friend all right and uh Woody and I'll be be online here i i would have said broder for sure because who i i doubt it's even happened but if there's anybody i would have guessed would have done it it would have been marty broder unless we could have another version and then it could sort of be the Hextall hat trick because he's quite capable of scoring and fighting good call that might be a good one to go with instead okay woody now that you're back from ig land just seven seven and then he spells it out e-v-e-n there's no name attached to the account sent us a great note philip gustafson uh, with the Bauer pads and the true glove. And of course, Sean Kelly sent us a note, Miko Koskinen, which we should obviously know. He's wearing Vaughn pads. And I think he was in CCM gloves before. And now he switched over to, to true blocker, true glove. So there's some mismatched guys uh, that are still around in the National Hockey League that aren't head to toe matchy matchy. Well, there's lots uh, of guys that aren't head to toe matchy matchy, but bl- gloves, blockers, and pads not matching. Didn't realize Gustafson uh, had the, uh, the mismatched. Uh, you brought up the the cage of Martin Jones, Hutch. Um, he took one right off the, the side of the face or front of the face, side of the cage. And do, do you think he even realized how bent that thing was late in the game against the Vancouver Canucks? Oh, I think if you look at the reaction on the video that uh, Kevin showed us of um, Carter, of Carter Hart, his partner, I, th- I think they probably knew exactly what was going on there. What surprised me was the lack of reaction when he takes this Brock Besser one tee from below the bottom of the circle right in the face, there really wasn't much of a reaction. He just kept moving. I, I didn't even know until the replay came on that he'd made the save with his face. Uh, and yet, wow, what a dent on that cage. A lot of people speculating why the heck would he not have changed it out, but what it was like a minute 20 left in the game or something, so I, you can understand. But uh, yeah, it was one of the better dents that I've ever seen. I'm not even sure Besser got everything there either so it's interesting 
And I'm kicking myself because I'm in the post game with Jonesy after and didn't ask because I hadn't seen the replay yet. You know, the scramble you're writing on deadline in a, in a tight game. And oh, don't give us excuses. I got one. I'm, I'm a little embarrassed, actually, because literally I'm in the room with him after and had a chance that because, you know, Martin is not the best quote guy. OK, like he is not filling your notebook with quotes. Great person. Great guy. But, you know, he is a re- bit of a reporter's nightmare if you're looking for this big, splashy quote. So if I'd been able to ask him about smelling the burning rubber on that one and getting a good quote about that, it would have been the quote of the night. So I'm kicking myself. Now I'm going to have to text him today and ask him because I that you're right, Hutch. That dent looked that looked like that cage was touching his cheek. That thing was so deep. But that's what it's hey, did its job, right? Better better that the cage is bending like that than your mind. I think uh, that I would save that cage. That would that would go into the collection. You know, the, the mask uh, wall that these guys have. Uh, you got to put that one cage up there as well and say, look at that thing. Well, hey, we talk about keeping your eyes on the puck. Like that is uh, that is a three on one down low with Connor Garland with passing options of Pedersen on his right and Besser on his left, and and in, in a two one game with one twenty seven left and. You know, you watch it like he didn't just hit him like he watched that thing coming right at him, turned his head towards it. And like, yeah, like there was a I think it, like you said, Hutch, the, the impact like Bess are shooting it, but also Jones moving his head towards it and kind of down and into it. So how to track that puck, Marty. A stick tap to uh, a friend of uh, In Goal Radio, the podcast, uh, Eric Comrie, who picks up uh, a win for the Winnipeg Jets going in and uh, beating L.A. The best part was he said he played for the love of the game. Because the victory occurred in Los Angeles and his parents and his brother and a whole bunch of family were there and it cost him a whole bunch of money in tickets. So yeah, he didn't make any money uh, with that victory for the Jets. But uh, but that's got to be a big confidence booster for for Eric as he takes over the backup job in Winnipeg. Yeah, I'm finally full time there as the backup right after years of sort of being the, the three guy and bouncing around a little bit on waivers. Um, you know, my understanding is he really opened their eyes, uh, of the, of the, not the goalie coach always knew, but the rest of the coaches with his work, uh, on the taxi squad and in practice last year when he was with the team against all the end, so much more time in NHL practices when guys like Kelly would take the day off, um, during the pandemic and they, they just built a trust there and, and he earned it again last night. And that, that's a huge, cause don't forget, like that's his first start. It's October 29th. The season's been like, that is not an easy spot to go into. And he handled it beautifully and good for Eric. And uh, full marks for that start as well. Uh, something I noticed, uh, just uh, my little reminder uh, on your shoulder, gentlemen, is that uh, I watched uh, three goaltenders last week, uh, Anton Hudobin, uh, Peter Morazic, and Jonathan Quick, in the last few days, all take pucks uh, down low under the chin off the, uh, the collarbone area, and were staggered. And you know what uh, they all have in common? Nobody wears a dangler. None of those three wear a dangler. So just uh, just to reiterate, go back to my old standby uh, on that. I've I've noticed there's a few products out there. Our buddy at the Goalnet has his own spec, including last week's uh, gear segment with the uh, with the Pro Laces toe ties. He's got his own Goalnet spec, and I am in a long way winding up to. We need the Darren Millard spec dangler now. Yes, at the hockey shop, we should have a chat with Cam. Darren, you got to get your napkin out, do a little bit of designing. Let's make it your own. Maybe it's got a little microphone at the front of the dangler or something. Uh, what are we going to do? The Millard I just want dangler. the little sign with my picture at the checkout uh, at the till. 
that says, uh, ha- "Did you grab your dangler?" Maybe that's not maybe that's not the right phrasing. Let's let's change the phrasing on it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll let the marketing uh, family rated uh, podcast, Darren. Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. That was that was uh, you, you, uh, total football. You could play on that. What the players are always talking about dangle. So do your dangler. <laughs> Uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, first time ever that he's 5-0 and to start a season. And making Darren Millard look like a bit of a genius with the early season. I, I, my eyebrows went up when you called him for the Vesna this year. And, you know, full credit to him. It's like he's hit a reset there. We talked last week about Quenville mentioning some of the changes that he's made. Haven't had a chance to sort of dig into those either on video or with Robbie Tallis. But good for all everyone involved because... I think he wasn't, you know, obviously when you get a contract like that and then you struggle a little bit, just such an easy target um, around the league. And so for him to to kind of bounce back the way he is right now and be at the top of the league and hey, in the Olympic, like forget the vet, like right back into that Russian Olympic conversation. And that is going to be an interesting decision. We had spies in New York tell us that Ilya Kovalchuk, who's been sort of hired to be the NHL liaison for Team Russia, had dinner the other night with Artemi Panarin and Igor Shesterkin. You take a look at that list of goalies. Shesterkin's heating up. Sorokin back-to-back shutouts. Bobrovsky in Vesna form. And a long track record with the Olympic team. Vasilevsky, the best goalie in the world, you know, hands down, uh, but off to a bit of a slow start this season. And then guys like even Semyon Varlamov, who hasn't played this year uh, because of an injury to start the season. But again, another guy who's been very loyal to the program and is very well established and has a lot of experience. Like um, that is uh, a tough decision, but a nice one to have to make if you're the Russian Federation. It's five guys. Yeah. them And, and, and any of them could start. Yeah. Honestly, you can do the same thing with the Americans. Five? Uh, I mean... Now you're going to make me do it off the top of my head, and I'm going to struggle. Yep. Let's go. Yep, let's Hell- Hellebuck, Demko. Mm-hmm. Gibson. Gibson. Nadelkovich. Spencer Knight. Knight. Nadelkovich is a Calder finalist last year. Spencer Knight, we're at five. Um, I'm sure I'm missing somebody. I'm just going to talk randomly while I Google this. <laughs> I'm not sure that all five of those guys would necessarily be starting. You might yeah. take Knight as your second, third guy. Fair. Uh, but like the Russians, that's that's deep. Uh, Spencer uh, Knight, uh, impressive. Uh, Nedeljkovic uh, has the potential, guys, to be a Calder finalist, followed up by a Calder winner because he's still eligible for the Rookie of the Year award. Not, that's not many, There's uh, a have, trivia have, competition. Yeah. Hey, listen. Uh, so is listen, it theoretically listen. possible to win the Calder two years in a row? I, th- uh, yeah, I still th- theoretically, wow. yeah. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be because if you play enough games to win it, the first, like you should have to play enough games the first time to not. But I mean, the fact he was a finalist last year. Hey, let's not forget. Not that he's. I haven't even looked at the Americans list of six if it's been published. But like, there are some other names. You know, again, like clearly Hellebuck um, and Gibson and Demko are going to be near the top of the list. But let's not forget Cal Peterson. With the, with the Los Angeles Kings. Bit of a slow start this year, but he's that quality of goaltender. Obviously, Jonathan Quick. Um, and our, our boy Jeremy Swayman as well. Like maybe, again, one of those younger guys, maybe not as a starting role, Darren, but a guy who could go over there and get the experience. Um, Jack Campbell with the, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So maybe not quite the same level as the Russians, like where, where a bunch of the names we're talking about are, are probably early season Vesna candidates. But 
you know, the Americans have a pretty deep pool to choose from as well. Uh, Sweden. Uh, I had a chance to uh, talk to Robin Leonard on the Chirp podcast, and uh, it was an interview that we did before the season started, and we just published it this week. And I asked him if he, if he wants to go to Beijing, and he said, yeah, you certainly interest. Uh, but uh, to paraphrase, he wants to play. And uh, I, he didn't say that he has to play all the games or has to be the starter, but he, he wants to play. Or if he's not in the mix, uh, then he would, using his words, go on vacation. Do you think that's uh, appropriate? I, I don't mind the idea of, have, of having confidence. And he also has, uh, I don't know whether it's history, you want to call it, or no history, because he's never played for the senior team uh, on, on Team Sweden for the Federation there. Some guy named Lundqvist has always been ahead of that. Right. Ahead of that he mentioned list. that. <laughs> but I am a little surprised that, you know, you think about it, he's not even a part of any of those teams. Um, and, and again, I'd, I've never been able to ask him whether that's his decision, knowing that Hendrick was going to be the guy in any of the opportunities. But I mean, he certainly should be in the mix now. Like it's got to be him and Markstrom sort of in that one, two. Linus Almark off to a nice start with Boston as well would be in that conversation. And, you know, after that, it's, you know, at least from the NHL side of things, and I don't want to be ignorant to to work that guys are doing in, in other locations around the world internationally. But um, if this is the best league in the world, those are the three names at the top of it from from the Swedish Federation. Philip Gustafsson's a younger guy. Forsberg, more of a you know, sort of journeyman's not a word I like, but in that mold and Jonas Johansson hasn't really established himself either. So um, like you have to think they would want him there. You know, like I said, with Markstrom and with Linus Allmark, that's like, that's an impressive three, but the next step down is a step down. That uh, communication has been uh, sent over to the Swedish Federation via Robin Leonard. And we should remind everybody that in 2002 and 2010, Team Canada won gold, and the netminder that was in the crease for the gold medal celebration was not the goaltender that started the tournament for Team Canada. So changes do happen even in a in a short tournament uh, on that side of it. Uh, so we'll continue to uh, to track that uh, aspect of goaltending. It's it's been busy, Hutch. Like early on in the season, there's there's been all kinds of different storylines uh, on the netminding front. It- doesn't really stop, does it? And the no. fact that we had, and we talked before about how many changes there were coming into this season with the uh, the musical chairs, so that makes it even more exciting. We've got some awesome names at the top of the uh, the top of the charts for statistics. As I said before, we are not allowed to talk about it being a short sample size. So, who had Villy Huso leading the league in save percentage at one thousand? Uh, he's projecting out now to have uh, how many shutouts by the end of the season? I can't really do the math. Yeah, something like that. But uh, speaking, of friends of the, speaking of friends of Ingold, James Reimer, three appearances up at 961. Loving that. Uh, Kevin's buddy, Freddie Anderson at 6-0. Like so many good things happening in, in the NHL right now. And just put it in a blender and see what comes out. It's awesome. How about, you know, we haven't talked about it yet, but like how about Elvis Merzlikens dedicating this season and wanting to win a Viz and a yeah. trophy for... Um, he might do it. Yeah, and and, and, and like... He's got a nine like nine fifty two last I check or nine forty eight yeah, like like yeah, just just tearing it up. I mean, you know, there's a name we shouldn't have skipped over when we were talking about guys off to incredible starts with, you know, just the way he's managed that whole situation with such honesty and openness uh, about how difficult it's been, and and then to just put himself out there like like. Yeah, I just, you can't help but cheer for him a little bit there. A lot, actually, frankly, in terms of what he's doing and 
the way he's handling everything and then backing it up too. Like that's a statement. How about Craig I just Anderson? got a text uh, from a, uh, a loyal listener who uh, goes by the name of uh, Don't Do As I Say, uh, 111. Uh, just got this, who was just listening to the podcast and wanted to go back to an earlier note. Did, and the text says, did Kevin Woodley just say that he told everybody uh, that he was uh, somewhat skeptical of Freddie Anderson with the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, but then took Freddie Anderson in his hockey pool? Did you really do that? I did. I, okay. I will, listen. All right. I, just, just I, wonder. That, that was just a text from a random listener. I, I listen. I two things here. One, I'm a big Freddie Anderson guy, <laughs> but the number, like the numbers, weren't great the last two years, and I, I, and and you wanted to believe that last year was all about the injury. But when I looked at the samples, when I looked at the math, like some of the things said that like maybe a low shot defensive environment. You know, like he was great in Toronto when they were giving up tons of chances. And I thought maybe in Carolina, where they kind of put you to sleep a little bit defensively, that that might be a struggle for him. But credit but to him. You had faith. You took him. I did. Now, the other thing is, I really like in hockey pools as the goalie guy waiting to the last round, letting everyone else pick all the goalies, and then just having the best goalie late. And I may or may not have sent the text to Paul Schoenfelder, the goalie coach of the Carolina Hurricanes, on the <laughs> eve of the season, in the middle of the draft, and said, hey, how's Freddie looking? And he was very positive. Oh. Is that cheating in a hockey pool when you actually text the goalie coach before you pick this goalie? That's right on the edge. It's working. What I want to know is, do you go in and ask some questions in the locker room? Like, has a guy ever said to you, Woody, did you take me in your pool? Yeah. Or more importantly, have you been snubbed because somebody said, I heard you didn't take me in the pool? No, no, because we don't normally talk about this much. But uh, I will say uh, one year sitting down with Marc-Andre Fleury Darren, uh, it was, uh, was it Riley Smith's breakout year? Um, and I had him in my pool and he was winning it for me. And then late in the season, he was injured and sitting down next, we were in Vancouver and I was waiting to sit down next to flower to have a little chat. Like we do with Ingle or we did pre pandemic and Riley was sitting next to him or two lockers down. And so I was just trying to give him space. And Flower's like, ah, just move him out of the way. Don't worry about it. He'll move. He'll move. I said, no, this guy's like single-handedly winning my hockey pool right now. I, I need him to get back in the lineup so I can keep going here. And he, and right, like he literally did not believe. He's like, there's no way you picked me in a hockey pool. And I was kind of like, well, it's a, it's a, it's a deep pool. But I literally, <laughs> he, did, he did not believe that I had him in the pool. So yeah, he, he had an amazing year a couple of years ago with scoring goals. His shooting percentage was uh, lights out. Uh, approaching 30% uh, that that season. Uh, what's going on over at the, the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com, before we get into the gear segment? Well, I want to tie it into the gear segment a little bit. There's lots going on. There's a sale going on right, right now. Make sure you check it out. 20% off uh, a lot of items. Uh, we talked about the Warrior G5 stuff. There's still inventory there left that's on sale. Um, but we don't get into the kids' corner very often. And so we explore it a little bit in today's uh, gear segment. We get into the Bauer Prodigy GSX line, but I wanted to remind people that there's an entire section there um, with lots of options for youth equipment. And Cam has developed quite an expertise, works with some of the associations to make sure they're getting the right stuff. And increasingly, though, we're seeing parents with goalies committing to the position at younger and younger ages, we're seeing parents make this investment. Now, some of it's pandemic related. Um, you know, I mean, it's not a time when you want to be swapping germs openly. So the idea of using association gear uh, is a little less appealing. So if you want your son or daughter in their own equipment, 
Cam's going to make sure that he can find something that's going to work for them. We talk about working for our games and finding equipment that works for your style and your preferences at the adult, the senior level, the elite level. Cam and his staff are good for that. But at the youth level, it's really important too. Hutch, you know this as a goalie parent. Like important to have stuff that they can move in when they're really little, um, stuff that's not restricting their movement. And as you're going to hear with the Bauer GSX pant, a little reinforced stuff that doesn't leave bruises on their hips because the kids and the coaches are shooting a little harder than they used to. So um, they've got lots of different options. Like I said, we get into the Bauer line here, but they've got other lines there, other options. And, And youth gear is not not as cost prohibitive as uh, as the senior stuff. So we see more and more parents taking that route. And I got to say, like the best part, I actually think you're going to hear in the Bauer Prodigy line, there's a special feature on there for parents that maybe don't know much about goaltending. It's on the pads. And I think it should be added to every set of equipment that is going to be used in commercials or movie yes. shoots. Yes. What from that now... Be? From a now until right? forever. Not just, and actually, I got to say, you'll hear it, but they go beyond left, right. So let's catch up with Cam and let's find out about the Bauer Prodigy GSX line. See, I'm, I'm doing the intro, Darren, just so you don't have to see, say Prodigy today. Thank you. And, and what's on these pads beyond right and left to make sure you, you get them done up right? Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. We're down here in Goalie Utopia, surrounded by, I don't know, just like everything you could imagine goaltender. It's, you know, it's kind of my home away from home, as you have, have learned over the years. We've got Cam Matwiv here. We've got some gear that probably actually fits Cam Matwiv, but we let him play in the adult sizes. Fits his, <laughs> fits his, skill, fits his skill level, I meant to say. And what's remarkable, we're, we're going to do youth gear, folks. And they've got a whole section that we'll show you after. We wanted to go over the Bauer line to start with. Um, we talk a lot about pro gear here, about the latest in leg pads and gloves and mask and stick technology for the full-growing adults, the best of the best. Can't forget about the kids. Cam doesn't, knows how to size you, knows how to fit you, and knows how to tell you what gear is going to work for you. Let's start with the Bauer Prodigy line, Cam. What, uh, what makes this special and what kind of age ranges are we talking about? All right, so we're talking about your get you out on the ice is the most important thing at this point age group. So, you know, anywhere from six, seven, eight, nine, potentially, depending on the size of your child. Um, Bauer Prodigy gear, it, I've been rebranded a little bit, Bauer Prodigy GSX. Uh, it's gone through actually some pretty decent upgrades um, and definitely some things worth calling out. Um, a lot of associations you'll find with this gear. Um, a, it's priced correctly for them, and B, it's simple to get on. Actually, even has some instructions for for you new goalie parents, which oh. can be kind of daunting task to get started. What do you mean, you new goalie parents? Like for sure, Cam, these instructions you're using these. I know that. Exactly. Not to mention, it's got a left and a right. Yes, because which ha- helps you a lot. I, I know, I know, because I find times you, forget. Well, you, you confuse easy. Yeah, uh, left hand, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's about right. Okay, important features for the pad. They bring their bungee toe ties that you find all the way up into their Pro Series pad. So a nice pro feature that you find still actually even on their most entry. Just easier to get on. Exactly, exactly. Simple leg channel, opens up. It's quick to get on. It's easy. Again, most important thing here is to get 
the child on the ice, the goalie. Um, simply, quickly, easily. Um, adjustable knee lock too, so we get a little bit of play there in terms of the growth room size. There isn't really kind of plus sizing to this. It, you know, we don't want to get too cute with, you know, how we're sizing something like this. So you still have your Bauer classic small, medium, large situation. Um, that all said, again, great option. Associations usually kind of pick this stuff up, but if you're looking for your own gear, which has become kind of highlighted, you know. I was going to ask you, yeah, I was, yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, how, how often are you see parents at that age range, eight, nine, ten, coming in and looking for this? This is happening more and more, and especially once that kid uh, makes that commitment uh, to wanting to play goal, like this becomes, you know, a decent investment to kind of start out. Really nice. Like we talk about, you know, a stable knee, knee um, block at the pro level, but not just nice stable knee block, but also, you know, a calf wedge that's going to help them you know sort of stabilize themselves when they're down on their knees a little bit not that we're looking for kids to be down on their knees at eight nine ten all the time but and yet enough mobility in here that looks like you'd be easily be able to skate around and move yeah this is again this is here to get you out on the ice and start to build those basic fundamentals are there things that are better yes but are they needed 100 percent at this age range no like let's let's keep things simple which we've done here so moving up Prodigy pant, once again, something that's gone through a bit of a redesign. The older Prodigy pant used to have some gaps, especially at the, the middle of the thigh range. So wouldn't necessarily be a problem when they're playing against kids at that right same level. However, a lot of the coaches would usually tag right in between uh, the thigh there, which can be a little bit uh, tough for especially uh, kids. <laughs> so Bowers kind of addressed that with their newer pant. Um, you do have full uh, hip padding. Um, this is a great overall pant, once again, for the price point and where it's kind of being offered. This almost sits as a little bit of an in-between for us, too, because we do have uh, kids that come in that don't quite fit the junior pant yet. They're just too skinny. Just nothing works. So the Prodigy pant does help to fill that gap, even at an age range of, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10, potentially as well. Okay, so, and, and we talk about protection, like, and, you, and as you said, like at certain ages, the puck doesn't hurt, so maybe you don't need it. But the last thing you want if you've got a young goaltender is having them scared of the puck because those are flinches and habits and, and just not enjoying it mm -hmm. that can work their way, you know, work their way up as they, as they get older, make them maybe even not want to play the position. So I love they've added protection in around the hips. Speaking of protective, like this looks like a pro unit. Um, I was going to make a joke about a social media influencer who might be able to fit into it. I'm not going to go there. I'm just kidding, guys. Um, but this is like, this looks like it's like a mini me for their pro model. Like the GSX Prodigy chest protector looks, and, and yet there's still a ton of, like, there's no limit in, in the ability to move in this thing. I try it on, but it might be a little tight. Mobility, protection, um, still works. Adjustability here. Exactly. Right exactly. through the collar. That ideally is that you can still fit this unit small and then kind of let it out as the child grows, which is perfect because that's what's going to be happening at this age for sure. Um, and quickly as well. Except for you. Uh, yeah, I know. I just came out this big, right? No, it just never grew. Well, never mind. We'll just leave that. What? Hutch, help me out. You put something stupid above his head, please. Well, there's all that room now above my head. I know. I know. I was going to say you could fit this youth helmet pretty easily. Segue right onto the 930 youth helmet. Well done. <laughs> so again, this is kind of completing the ensemble with, we still got a couple more pieces to go. But um, again, your basic uh, polycarbonate shell youth helmet. Let's get the kid out on the ice, get him fitted, get him a goalie helmet that ha looks the pro part, which is important. 
um, as well as has a great fit. Went through a bit of a redesign in terms of the foam on the inside, um, as well as actually changing up the chin portion of the mask a little bit, which used to be a bit of a problem in the older enemy series uh, of the youth helmets, um, allowing it just a bit of a better fit. Pro five point harness, again, getting that pro look, good adjustability, good fit, good protection for the level. There are things that are better, but this is again, with the notion, let's get them out on the ice, let's get them moving. And have them feeling safe and secure in, exactly. in this mask. Now, is there different uh, size options in that one? No, so youth is just one size category, and then your next size up is junior, which we do find does happen. Um, even at the age range of six, seven, eight, nine, we have kids that are fitting. They, some kids just larges. have big heads. Exactly, exactly. Um, so moving now, forward. Now, now, composite GSX Prodigy stick here. Yes. Like, tell you what, I'll let you talk about it. Well, I was just gonna say, because I don't buy a lot of youth gear here, so I'm a little like, uh, but you know, do we need a composite stick at this age? And yet, I see kids all the time out there with sticks that are adult sticks, way too heavy, way too big, way too big of a paddle, and it affects their ability to move and play. So I love the idea that we've built a stick for the kids. When you have a clunky something wood for stick, you to use, it's something they haul and pull around behind them. You know, we call it like spaghetti stick. It goes over here. No, we want that stick out in front of you. Having a lightweight composite stick at that age range keeps things in front of you, keeps things square, keeps them light, allowing them to move. Do you know what the paddle, I'm going to put you on the spot, do you know what the paddle size on this yeah, is? Yeah, 20. Like there are some, oh, there it is. You, you came to me, remember, like this is the, you know, the experts over here, right? I'm just asking questions, making sure you've done your homework. Like I told you folks, if you got questions, Cam knows the answers. 20 inches, there's a couple, couple NHL guys that are darn near 20 inches now, so. So, complete the ensemble. Oh. Fresh, fresh out of the box, in the back, still in the plastic. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bauer Glove and Blocker. That's how nicely I opened it. And then you just like go to town on it. Hey, butts. So? Remember when we were doing our lefts from our rights? I know. Did you plan that you would? I did this exactly on yeah, purpose. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Total accident. Like, <laughs> I'm not a full right, but look at that. So it does come in full right, which is also an important call out, which is the total reason why I did that in the first place. Amazing that you can fit your hand in there. I'm going to leave that one. We're not going to make small hand jokes. The Prodigy glove, lightweight, easy to close out of the box. My hand doesn't fit in this, so I'm not even going to try. However, Again, very flexible. This is great to us help instill those initial fundamentals for the kids as they, uh, as they start to go out on the ice and play. Um, the whole entire kit itself, once again, great value for what it is, and especially if you're a parent looking to pick up their own separate gear um, at this age range, not having to use some of the association stuff, we've got it, the Bauer Prodigy GSX in stock. Okay, and I was just going to say, because one of the reasons that the Engel Radio podcast, when we ask goalies at the pro level, NHL, some of the best in the game, why'd you get started? There's like, there's a couple different reasons. Usually it's like, you know, it's an older sibling that would only let me play if I played goal with the kids in the neighborhood, stuff like that. But one of the other reasons is always gear, right? So like this is, in addition to feeling like real goalie gear, mm -hmm. it's got a little style. Yeah. Like it's got a little style on there. So for you young, like... Young, what, like goalies that like know that fashion matters. It's got some function too, obviously. But for fashion matters, kids that want to step out on the right foot, 
Not bad. I wish they had this stuff when I was a kid. And that's it for you guys at Mismatch out there. No, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Obviously, it doesn't matter. But this is still pretty stylish. Look, it's even got a nice, like, I even love the Prodigy logo they've built for it. So if you have any questions, give me a call here at 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790. Is that your way of cutting me off? I'm like a kid it, in a candy is, store. It is. It, it's, it's time. It's time. Should we put the pants on and see if this it's really time. Pretend- It's time. Roll the sound. <laughs> Well, left, right, and now, and now, little. How to do the toe drawings, ties? Yeah, illustrations. Like, that's that's it, outstanding. Is there an up like, down like, though? Well, it's kind of hard to. It's actually. It's kind. Of, well, I mean, the knee stack sort of tells you where the. But I, I like the instructions are pretty it's clear. An actually, like, isn't it? The the instructions are pretty clear. Like I love it. I love that idea. And just listen. Like we're sometimes we're a little too cool for school, right? We talk about only talking about pro gear and things like that. The reality is a lot of. A lot of goalie parents, we, we make jokes about getting the pads on on wrong, but your first time out there, you don't know. Like, not all parents have been exposed to hockey, let alone the position of goaltending. So good on Bauer for for just making it that much easier for a first-time parent. Yeah. Right? Yeah, not even sure first that, time. Like, not even first time. It can go on for a long time because you've nobody got tells bus- you. busy coaches who don't have time to go through all of it. You've got parents rushing their kids to the rink between their piano lesson and school. And just these little details take a long time but like if i had one thing i'd tell associations they should do and i've done this before is at that very first session when you bring the kids in for the here's how to be a goalie lesson start in the dressing room look at Mm. the gear show them how it should be put on it will even if you lose the entire session doing that it will alleviate weeks months and years of pain because the gear hasn't been worn properly uh turner on opening night, they put Barkley in the net uh, to take some shots on him, and they brought out the pads. And initially, the pads were given to to Charles, and they were on the wrong legs. And Wayne Gretz went over there and and fixed it up. It was it was one of the great saves uh, in in television goaltending. Love it, I love it, and of course, it's the great one that that pulls yeah. it off. It's funny because all I saw I saw screen caps of that, and it was mostly that the screen caps were mostly when he had it on wrong. So I didn't know yeah. it was Gretzky that had saved it. Obviously, up in Canada, we don't get Turner. And just to go over, like the, the illustration at the bottom is really about how to do up the toe tie. And, I, and again, credit to Bauer for using their elastic toe tie system. Um, real easy and simple to put on. But again, if you're a parent, and you're looking at these like these Velcro straps and that you would have no idea yeah, how that no goes idea. on. Like for, forget left and right. And they've got a nice little three-step illustration on how to get that on. So um, just right down on the bottom of the pad, the, right where you would be looking if the pad was laying in front of you while you do your toe ties up. So just, you know, apl- applause to Bauer. But like I said, uh, at the hockey shop and the hockey shop.com, they've got a lot more than just that line. They've got lots of great options from Brian's, from CCM, um, lots of great youth gear. So you know, if the association stuff, even if you're using association stuff for your son or daughter, and maybe the association pads are just fine and the gloves are just fine, but they're wincing, they're flinching in the pants and the chest protector, the last thing pants, we want. right? Pants is pants, the one that, pants, that pants. people kind of always forget about. Yeah. And the and big thing is, because uh, they, the, they make the goalie pants like players' pants at that level. But again, Bauer reinforced that hip seam area, added a layer of protection there um that cam talked about in that review and you know for for some goalie parents like you don't want the kids being scared of the puck at an early age and so maybe the association gear is fine for everything but pants you can go in there and get a set of pants from cam 
mask and I love the stick. I got to be honest, when I first saw it, I'm like, really? We're doing composite sticks for the kids, 20 inch paddle. Um, but think about it again. Like how many times have you seen a kid out there, like tiny little kid out there and he's hauling around a stick that comes up to his shoulder and weighs, you know, weighs like two tons because it's an old wood foam core stick. Well, that- I was going to say, you talk about association gear. Quite often the association's got some half decent pads and gloves. And they've got a 25-inch wooden stick from 1972 that the poor kids have to haul around that somebody chopped the shaft off of, thinking they'd suddenly make it fit a kid. It's just ridiculous. So if I was a parent and I I couldn't afford anything else, I'd probably go and get them a stick that works. Or, frankly, have a conversation with your association and say, listen, like we're we're, we're passing around these sticks. Let's get one that actually is going to let the little goalies learn how to be little goalies. Uh, we're going to talk about association gear. It's going to come back up uh, in our feature interview brought to you by Sensorina as we uh, chat with Curtis Sanford in just a second. And uh, I tell you what, the association gear is a little bit uh, different today than it was when Curtis started playing the game. And that story is uh, on the way. But uh, first, an update from Sensorina. Hutch, and what's happening uh, on the VR side of things? Well, it's the most exciting week. We've been talking about Sense Arena's new Global Hockey Skills Tournament, and uh, now it's actually live. The Each month, there's a bunch of practice weeks where they give you the drills that will be part of the competition, but this week, it's the last week of the month, uh, the competition becomes live. So if you haven't got Sense Arena, go grab a set, and if you do, go put it on and hit the new competitions button and go get involved in the Global Hockey Skills Tour. Um, You can try it as many times as you want this week. The only little trick, it's a bit of a gamble, guys. They just take your last score as your score for the competition, not your best one. So I love that. Yeah, so you get 92% and then you're like, can I hit 93? And suddenly Woody's back down to 85 and and now he's going to be obsessed with another week of practicing. So it's 85 is good for me. Well, it would be. It's a pretty cool competition. Um, It's moving around the globe this this month. They're in New Jersey and the Devils have awarded some prizes for the uh, for the top six. I think it is something like that in each of the player and the goalie competitions. And uh, it's going to move around the world all season. And as we've said before, it leads to a chance to go to the Stanley Cup playoffs if you uh, are the overall winner. So what a cool competition they've put together. We all know Sense Arena is just this incredible game-changing new tool for uh, preparing to go on the ice. And uh, I can tell you, we're going to be uh, running the Global Skills Tournament here today. We're, we're going to put the headset on and we're going to get a score racked up for this competition as, uh, as my son gets ready to go on the ice this evening for a game. What a great preparation it is. Uh, I Every, I've told you before, boys, every time he uses it, he comes away and says his tracking is absolutely unreal. So we're going to see that again today, and we're going to do it getting involved in the competition. I encourage all of our listeners to hop on the Sense Arena system and uh, get involved in, this, in the tournament. I'll be doing the exact same thing. I'm just glad that there's no max uh, number of entries. But we can just keep on going. We can uh, make sure that uh, we can keep trying because Woody and I are at the same uh, skill level where we don't really post a score where we think, Oh, I'm going to have trouble beating that. I'm going to attach the controllers to my ankles and start making skate saves. Oh, I would love to see that. Hey, uh, by the way, and speaking of skate saves, uh, all the best to our buddy Bernie Perrant, uh, who just uh, had some back surgery uh, this past week and uh, doing great. And we wish him a uh, speedy recovery. Got to get out fishing with him. That's what we got to do. do. 
I know. We missed him this summer. Next summer, Bernie, when the back's better, we're coming. Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't get that invite. Only you two. That's your little... Well, you guys always exclude me, so it's your turn. (laughs) That's your your guys' special weekend. I'm going to Vegas with Darren. We're going to change Curtis the tires. <laughs> yeah. I'm winning out of this because I'm I'm hanging out with both of you. Uh, Curtis Sanford is our feature interview uh, this week. Uh, give us the the backstory on how you know him. I know there's a bit of it in, in the conversation, but uh, give us the uh, history of how you cross paths with him. Oh, well, I'm just he when he was here in Vancouver, obviously got to know him um, as as a goalie playing in the NHL, backing up Roberto Luongo. Something he talks a little bit about in the interview and. You know, then he got hired by uh, the Canucks to be the goalie coach in the American Hockey League. And to be honest with you, like we, we, I talked to him a little bit here and there, see him at camp, see him at development camp, always just sort of in passing and and you know trying to pick up a little bit of knowledge. But we we hadn't really had a chance to sit down like this. And now the Canucks have moved their farm team to Abbotsford, which is about an hour east uh, of where I am, but an hour east of Vancouver. So so they've got a, a local farm team now. And poor Curtis has to put up with me on an almost uh, weekly basis because I'm going to be out there a lot trying to catch up with the AHL goalies. We had a piece at Ingle Mag this week with Dylan Ferguson. Um, spent some time out there with Spencer Martin, who's in the Canucks system, uh, going over some drills that we'll bring to Ingle Premium as well. And uh, it was just just it was about time we got Curtis on the podcast because as you'll hear, there's a just wanted to talk to him about not just his playing career, but the transition to coaching now. Obviously, we've in this Vancouver market and on this podcast because I'm in the market, a lot of talk about and from Ian Clark um, as one of the top goaltending coaches in the National Hockey League. And Curtis is working with him hand in hand, but also has the experience of being one of those guys that came to Ian midway through his career and was blown away at how much he didn't know. Um, and now he's working with those guys who might have the same experience. So how do you, how do you manage guys who are all of a sudden getting a lot of new information? It can, it can, it can go the wrong way if they don't process it or don't manage it the right way. And so having a guy like Curtis in the system is awesome. Um, I feel sorry for him. I asked him if there was a, if he got a little extra cash to be this close to me, but, um, <laughs> danger uh, pay. Yeah. Like, like what, there's like a Woodley clause for goalies yeah. that sign in Vancouver. Like, Oh, I got to put up with that guy. Well, now Curtis is included in that. But as you'll hear, like just really bright goalie mind, um, really great person. And I was really happy we got a chance to sit down out in Abbotsford and catch up this week. And how his pro career came about is one of the great stories. And our heroes, we all have our first hero. His a little different uh, that got him uh, into the goaltending uh, position. It is our feature interview. Brought to you by Sensorina, Sensorina VR on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Ecstatic to welcome to the In Goal Radio podcast, Curtis Sanford. Curtis, actually worlds colliding here, right? Because I was doing this and learning about this and writing about goalies and trying to figure all this out when you were playing. And now you're here with the Abbotsford Canucks, Vancouver Canucks goalie development coach now you're coaching and we the best part of all of that is across all those years you and i get to sit down and still talk about goaltending what has the transition been like for you from playing to coaching i know you're full-time this year which is oh, credit to the organization not all organizations um invest that way credit for you to making that leap and bringing the family all the way out to the west coast here even though you knew you'd have to put up with me <laughs> what's what what do you love about coaching compared to playing Coaching is, you know, it's, it's completely different than playing, although you're still competitive and you want to win and 
and be a part of something really special and great. Um, it's a way to really give back. Like it's a way for me to be like, gee, all these things that I learned throughout the years, uh, all these experiences that I've gained throughout the years, how can I, how can I pass it on and hopefully turn someone's experience to something that's even grander than anything that I could have ever accomplished as a player. And I think, I think that's the really special part about, about coaching is you get to be in with these unbelievable athletes, uh, these passionate players and, you know, get in the grind with them on a daily basis and, uh, and really help them work towards something that they've been dreaming about their entire lives. And, you know, it's something that I don't take for granted. It's something that our coaching staff and our entire organization doesn't take for granted. And, um, it's just, uh, it, it's really fun to be able to do that. Okay. So I'm going to throw like the, the fastball, like, um, actually this is not the easiest question to lead off with, but if Curtis Sanford, the goalie coach now, and you've been doing it for a few years now, not all necessarily full time the whole way, but Curtis Sanford, the goalie coach could go back and talk to 20 year old Curtis Sanford, the goalie. So much has changed. Would you be giving yourself modern techniques that would put you ahead of the curve 15, 20 years ago? Or would it be more about the mental part of the game? Like where would, if you could go talk to your younger self, where would the advice lie? Oh, geez. I think it would be like a mixture of both of those things. Definitely. Oh, right on the fence there, taking both. And, but, you know, looking back at, you know, 20 and, and just being through, you know, everything that I've been through, like as a player and how the game changed from, you know, 2000 till I stopped playing in Russia in 2015, like a lot changed, uh, a lot changed in goaltending yeah. in that, like through those 15 years. Um, a lot changed nutrition wise in those 15 years. Uh, that's probably one of the biggest things I would mention to my younger self if I could is like, hey, like this nutrition thing, it's uh, it's pretty important. And, you know, it's something that, you know, as a kid or maybe a young player, you're taking for granted, oh, I'm just going to work it off the next day. But, you know, and what it can lead to just having, you know, good nutritional values uh, you know, leads to a, a, a better mental state, a better energy state, uh, probably injuries, injury management, all that stuff. So that'd probably be a pretty big thing on top of, you know, how to deal with things mentally and, and definitely about the new techniques and, uh, where, where the game's gone to the tendencies of the game, not only for the players, but how do we defend these tendencies as a goalie, because it's, it seems to be a race. It's always a race. It's like, so players, coaches, they're looking to find ways to expose or take advantage of goalies or defenses. And goalies are trying to, def trying to find ways to better defend, to better be efficient, to, you know, to stay ahead of the offensive tendency. So it's, it's almost like a, it's a, it's a race to see who can be uh, more efficient, but who can expose who the most? I, I want to go to the nutrition thing a little bit, but, but I want to, let's do nutrition first. Cause I want to ask about that race. Cause that's a great comment. What about the kids now? Like, do, do, do most of them come in knowing that we, we, I mean, some of them have nutritionists probably from a very young age. We see jokes about minor hockey and like, you know, the hockey parents that have eight, nine year olds with three different coaches, right? Like, 
or is there still a learning curve there? Is that one area that maybe we tend to overlook as we look at technique and sports psychology or are some guys still lessons to be learned even when they get to this level? Well, I, I always think there's lessons to be learned. I always think you're always looking to find ways to improve. What can I do better? Is nutrition one of those things I can be better at? Um, yeah, like the resources that we have in 2021 far exceed the resources we had in 2000 or 2005 for that matter. You know, I think organizations are are taking excuses away by by Im- implementing resources that you know these players can fall back on. We, they, there's so much information available to them um, that you know was always available to us. You just maybe had to be disciplined enough to seek it out a little a little uh, you know more heartily. But um, yeah, like the resource thing, it's it, it's huge. Like. We never had full-time goalie coaches in 2000. Yeah. Now everyone's got them. Everyone's got development goalie coaches, development skills coaches, you know, the list goes on and on. So um, there's always ways to improve, to get better, but I think um, the resources are there to allow these players to improve and get better. Right. So no excuse. Like you said, take, if you're not taking advantage of them as a player, it's on you. Yeah. To an extent it, it can be. Um, but you know, that, that comes with, you know, that's the learning curve with these guys. And sometimes you gotta, sometimes you gotta seek them out a little bit more to make sure that they're, they're being diligent about their business because you know, that's what their body is. That's what their careers, it's, it's their business. And, and you always want to take care of your storefront and, and, and do whatever you can to make sure that's all clean and tidy. Okay. Back to that race between goalies and players. From the outside as a writer, I would argue that goalies probably got ahead of that race for quite some time. Um, While players for a long period spent their summers getting bigger, stronger, faster, goalies did that and they went to work on their technique, their, you know, their very position-specific needs, skills. Yes. That's changed. So we see players now working with skills coaches, learning how to be deceptive, where do you see that pendulum between? Like you said, it's a constant race. Where's Absolutely. the pendulum swung? How do we as goalies swing it back in our favor as guys are learning shots that have us thinking one thing and they deliver another? Yeah. Um, where can we where can we swing it back in our favor? That's a great question. I think, you know, there's 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 a few different ways. I think it all comes back down to what are your details and habits? Um, are you diligent in how you use your feet are you diligent about how patient you can be it's about can you can you outweigh an opponent and trust your instincts trust your lateral athleticism trust your flexibility enough to buy saves in more than ever dynamic moments whether it's the royal road for instance Do you trust your feet enough to get you from point A to point B? Do you work on that enough in practice and be really diligent about how you apply the principles when no one's looking uh, to make sure that you're giving, you know, 10 out of 10 on every one of your repetitions? And it's it's exhausting, but at the end of the day, is that what's going to put you personally as a goalie ahead of the opposition you're facing and give your team the best opportunity to succeed and give yourself the best opportunity to succeed. So I think a lot of it still comes down to details and habits and how you, how you practice and how you approach, um, 
those situations when you see them in in practice when you see them on game film when you're when you're you know breaking down an opponent and their tendencies and stuff like that how can i how can i utilize my my athletic abilities to defend this team it's funny you say how you know how, can you outweigh that shooter can you my my question was going to be can you teach guys how to do that? Because we hear a lot from at lower levels, especially with kids, it's, you know, it's a lot of, um, you know, you got to be patient, you got to be patient, but are there ways to teach patience? And I think actually you probably just answered my question because you talked about some of those details, but that doesn't necessarily have to be purely an innate thing that you either have or you don't, right? There, this is your, this is the world you're in now. How do we help guys find more patience and more trust? I think allowing themselves to fail uh, is one way is like, okay, you outweighed this guy and he, and he ripped you, he ripped you five hole. But the, the, the fact that you had the patience to actually outweigh this guy is the step in the right direction. Now, can you outweigh this guy until he releases the puck and now commit, commit to driving down into the save and commit to the next play that happens and how you respond to it. And I think having that commitment through that entire process is where, you know, that skill might be able to kind of be adapted and flourish with new said goalie or, or whatever. But I think allowing themselves to fail, the coach allowing the, the, the player to fail and be like, you know what, it's okay. And maybe it's a, it's a discussion where, you know, your head coach may see a bad goal. I was going to ask you, because you do you have to defend that process because we always hear nothing through you, nothing through yeah. you. And yet, you know, if, if that's your mentality as a goaltender, I would think that would create a lot of default down and closed early as opposed to that patience that they keep telling us they want. Exactly, exactly. So it, it, it does, it will put an emphasis on that defending the goalie in those situations. And I think a person in my position has to be able to do that, to be able to take the, you know, whatever the head coach is going to give us, whether they like it or not like it, but be able to explain and defend uh, the process to your coach in a way that, okay, well, this is going to be better down the road but these are the steps that it's going to take to get this goalie to really have that trust within his game. And once he establishes that trust, um, you know, really that's the sky could, could technically be the, the, you know, the limit. Now you mentioned things were different. You started in around 2000, played for 15 years, um, been in coaching. Now I've been retired for a little over five and coaching with the Canucks here for a while. Um, you're, your history with the position in terms of goalie coach, and maybe let's rewind it all the way. I, I just, listeners are going to know this question's coming because I always ask it. I'm always fascinated by the answers. How did Curtis Sanford become a goalie and how did Curtis Sanford fall in love with the position as a youngster? So Curtis Sanford became a goalie by his parents being billets for the junior B team back in Owen Sound. So the Owen Sound Grays junior B team. And uh, the first player we billeted, I was eight years old and we got a goalie and he came and lived with us and he was from Michigan and, uh, he, he got cut like about three weeks in and I was, I was like crushed and they, 
you, they got sent packing and, and whatever. And, uh, you know, the soul was ripped right out of me, but about two weeks later, we got another goalie and, you know, I was, I was having fun playing hockey. I was, I was skating, I was scoring goals and all that stuff, but the, that changed my whole attitude towards goaltending. The biggest thing though, is like those guys made me want to try it. My dad and my mom allowed me to try it, but I think the biggest fact or factor was the success I had in my, the first time I tried it, which it was like, okay, so if I didn't have that maybe first little bit of, oh, I, I don't mind this. I, you now, know, was I'm, it over like weeks or are we talking just like you had a game and it was like- One I game. One game, I got to put on the house league pads that was supplied by minor hockey and I went in there and our team won and I probably only had to make three or four saves because you're only eight years old and like the amount of action you actually get like is, is minimal, but you know, it, I was good at baseball. So you get to, you, you get to flash the leather a couple times and catch the pucks with those, those small little brown goalie gloves that minor hockey used to supply that, that didn't offer any protection whatsoever. You had to actually catch the puck clean in the pocket for it not to hurt. There's a lesson there too, probably. <laughs> yeah. So I think it was that initial success. And then I was hooked after that. I was like, no, like I want to take the gear home. I'd wear it at home and, you know, and I, I just played from then on. And so the building, first time success, uh, being able to catch a puck, you know, those, those three th and having fun making like glove saves and, and doing all these flashy little things. Uh, that's, that's what hooked me. Okay. And so you start sort of, where did it go from something that you just loved to something that like, Hey, like I can do this. This is, you know, this is a career path. I'm, you know, I'm looking at like, you know, started in, uh, in Ontario and sort of, I guess what would be like a, a second tier junior yep. and then just worked your way up from there. Yeah. You know, it was just, I never really knew like if I actually was going to have a chance or if it was going to be a career until I, you know, I got drafted into the OHL and yeah, I, I had some success in, you know, at some U17 camps and, and stuff like that and uh, had some success in, in, you know, playing tier two junior A down the road from where I grew up. But uh, it was the first time where it's just like, oh, okay the draft. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, my hometown team drafted me. That's sweet. Cause I remember going and watching this team play when I was, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old. So that was cool. But when you start playing against guys or going to training camp against guys that are coming back from like NHL camps and now you're on their team and now you're just kind of inching a little bit closer, inching a little bit closer. Um, you start maybe thinking, that you might have a chance, but you know, again, like those, those feelings, they come and go and it takes a lot of, you know, sturdy sailing and kind of staying the course and not getting too high and not getting too low because like, there's a lot of lows. Like you, you, you don't have to look too much further than my numbers to see that there were some lows and being able to kind of navigate that and, and, and stick with, you know, what I'm doing, you know, and making sure that. I'm as, as good a teammate as I possibly can be making sure I'm preparing as, as well as I possibly can and, and waiting for those opportunities to get in and play. So, you know, there's a lot of that, that went into it. A lot of patience. Um, 
I didn't really truly think I could play in the NHL until I went to my the rookie camp with the St. Louis Blues and was able to parlay that into a, a contract and 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 that's when my confidence really started to build. Now, um, I got to ask about the like when you finished in the OHL, weren't drafted by the NHL. There's a stint there towards the end after your last season in the O in the UHL with the Missouri River Otters. How did that come about? What was and what did that play a role in continuing, or did did you already have offers from teams to sort of take that next step after junior? Where did these six games in Missouri? For, I'll be perfectly honest, Curtis. UHL. I'm trying to rack my brain on what that league even is. Yeah. So the UHL was the United Hockey League, and it was yeah. I think it was the Colonial Hockey League before it became the United Hockey League, and then. I want to say it was kind of swallowed up by the Central Hockey League at some point. Yeah, there I'm is not still sure. a team in Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm not too sure. But uh, so how that happened was I finished my last career junior game and I had all these university pamphlets, you know, that I was, I was like deciding, okay, well, where am I going to go to school. university? Where yeah. am I going to go to school? My junior career is over. I just got finished my overage year. Don't know what's going to happen. I better better prepare myself for the next chapter and that would be school. Um, I finished my last junior hockey game on Saturday night in Owen Sound and it was a great send off because I made 66 out of 68 saves and we won three to two. It was just, it was stupid. It was a great way to finish my career. Um, got home after that and about midnight, my, the phone at home rang. We didn't have cell phones, obviously. Um, so my house phone rang and it was Mark Reed's. So God bless his soul. Uh, and, uh, he was coaching the Missouri, Missouri river otters and he called me and he was just like, Hey, do you think you can, can hop on a flight tomorrow to sh- down to Charlotte? And I was just like, yeah, sure. So I flew, I got up at like nine in the morning, drove to Toronto, hopped on a flight, got to Charlotte. The assistant coach of the Missouri, Missouri River Hours met me at the airport in Charlotte. We drove to Asheville, North Carolina. So we get into Asheville and there's probably about maybe 10 games left in the regular season. And I got to play six of them. Um, Mark Reeds, who is a Blues alumni, I think had a lot to do along with Donnie Granado. Um, had a lot to do with me getting an invitation to the rookie camp that was in Traverse City. And from there on, it was basically up to me at that point. It was just like, okay, here's your opportunity. Like, and I had a, had a great rookie camp, went, got invited to main camp and again, was playing really good and turned that into a contract. So, so that's from, how it all started. So from thinking your career's over and you're looking at school to a call that night, you posted a 946 with Missouri. So obviously you opened some eyes. That's where it all starts. Yeah. All yeah. about opportunity and being ready for it. Yeah. Anybody that had an impact there, and the, like you said, you've t- you talked about uh, the coach. You get to Blues camp for your first time, NHL camp. Not that far removed from not being certain about your future. Was there anybody that, whether it was technically, I'm, re- I'm realizing not everybody had a goalie coach, even in the NHL in 2000, or just mindset-wise that helped you Make sure that that was not just a step, but a step towards the National Hockey League. Yeah, it it wasn't anything technical because I didn't have a goalie coach my entire career in junior. 
Like See, in Owentown. So you're you're getting to your first NHL camp and you've never had a goalie coach. Yeah, it's 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 basically like uh, you know, the the easel is it's just a blank canvas. And but what I what I what I had was like just the the mental ability to just like dig in and just compete and battle. And whether I had to pass out on the ice during like it was just it was just kind of in me, like just to kind of you know, work hard until you can't work anymore and then work harder. So, um, that's kind of the mindset that I took in and I was just like, I was just like, you know what? I, this is, this possibly could be my last opportunity. I'm just going to go out there and just, and just give it. And like, it, it was just, a, it was just basically a battle mindset. And because again, I wasn't the most technically sound goalie obviously without having any guidance for say, that amount there, of time there, there was no one like i mean but to be honest with you like i mean we talk about patrick Juan and francois lair and and the first goalie coaches but when i started covering the league in 2000 like you know some teams still didn't or it was part-time at best or it was part-time and it was a guy who had just like he was there to share his experiences, not necessarily advance your technical game. It was just about, hey, this is what I did when I was a kid. Um, where did that process start for you in terms of coaches and starting to modernize it first with St. Louis and then as you went on throughout your career? Yeah, like, you know, obviously in St. Louis, we had, you know, we had Keith Elaine when I first got there and now he's the head coach at Yale. Um, and he was, you know, he was, he was awesome. Like I really, I really like Keith, but again, it was just like, you know, it was, it was, it was simple, simple stuff. He was like, he wasn't going to overcomplicate things with like new stuff or it was just like, basically, okay, this is, this is your assets. We're going to work within your assets. And, and that was fine. Got to St. Louis and I had Rick Walmsley for a couple of years and you know, it was, it was the same type of stuff. It's like, okay, this is, you know, these are your assets, you know, you compete, blah, blah, blah. Brought a couple things to my attention that I could clean up and worked, worked to clean that up and, you know, and, and, and that worked and, uh, got to Vancouver, signed with Vancouver. And that, I think that's where it kind of all really changed. And, you know, I was telling you about this earlier, but, you know, the first time I stepped on the ice with Ian Clark. I was just like, whoa, this is like mind blowing. And I remember getting off the ice with Ian my first session. I was like, holy cow, like how am I playing in the National Hockey League? And how have I how have I survived this far? It's like I felt like I didn't know anything about goaltending, but in a good way. And I just like I was just like, okay, here, here, Ian, like, like help me. And you just kind of make yourself vulnerable and you know, like being on the ice with Roberto like every day and seeing him work and seeing how he, uh, you know, how detail oriented he was on a day to day basis. Like, you know, that was that was a great experience for me. You know, I ended up going back down the minors and had to toil there. But I think I think a lot of those things that I was able to kind of glean off of, you know, Roberto and Ian in those those two years. um, I was able to apply that and I tried to apply that as best I could um, until I got it to work with Ian again in Columbus. And again, it was just like more things had changed. The game had evolved. And now we're talking about 
post play tactics and RVs and all this stuff. And it was, again, it was like, it was so cool how Ian was like really involved in the evolution of, of, of the, the position and, you know, how he was able to explain why you do this, how you do it properly, why we want to do it, pro- like all those things. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to pump Ian's tires too much because he gets them pumped enough, <laughs> but he really, he really had a, a really profound effect on myself as a goalie. And, and now even lessons that I took from him back then, my experiences, and now being able to really kind of bring it back to these guys. Well, I was going to ask because, you know, obviously now you're working with Ian, he's with the Vancouver Canucks and you guys work together. Um, and there still is an element of like the, the things he does. There's a lot, like there's a lot of detail and a lot of focus on it. You've been on the other side of that. Not every goalie might receive it the same way. I think it's probably possible for some goalies to be overwhelmed by the information, but having been on the other side, does that help you make sure that you present? And and I know the thing with Ian is he doesn't tell you to do it. He makes sure you understand why. Uh, And I always love that about his writing, but is there a way to make sure that you don't lose these guys? Is there a way to, you know, you've been there, make sure they're not overwhelmed or they don't end up thinking when they're playing about all these details, like there's a time to go out and just play. Like how did, like does being on the other side of that relationship help you now that you're on the coaching side? 110%. And I think that's where, um, I think that's where I try to fall in all this as well. Yeah. Because I remember, I remember being the overwhelmed guy. I remember all this new information you're trying to soak it all up, but you just, you, you can't because it, there is a lot of information. And it takes a lot of time. And I think that's where I can kind of, you know, be in lockstep with these guys along this journey while, you know, they get, they get a lot of information when we see Ian at, 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 uh, prospect camps and at the beginning of main camps and there's all this information you might be new to the organization or you might be a prospect who's just taking part in this, all this information receiving for the first time. I think that's where I can use my experiences to, you know, to get on the same page with these guys and be like, Hey, I know it's a lot, but we're going to be fine here. Trust me, trust me that to trust Ian and, you know, your best interest is, is where all this is at because we believe in you and we want you to be an NHL goaltender. And I think at the end of the day, if that's where they want to be, and they combine that with the trust in the process, the trust in the information. I think that's where we can get these guys. Now, we just did some video. We went over some drills you were doing earlier today that hopefully we'll share a little later on at Ingle so people can look forward to that. But one of the things that really jumped out at me is that within the framework of these new ways of doing things, it is different for Spencer Martin compared to Archer Silovs and even Thatcher Demko in the NHL, like the way they apply it, there's still individuality there. And that's part of a back and forth with you and them and important to never lose that. Like there, there are probably some, I guess, non-negotiables is something I call them and some coaches have them, but this is a position that is rarely defined by absolutes. Is that like, is that sort of part of the mindset? Yeah. Yeah. Because if, if, you know, 
if we just teach everyone the same thing and think that all their you know mental assets all their physical assets all their anatomical assets are all the same like it it it, it just doesn't work that way they're all different their personalities are different the way they learn is different so you got to take all of this so they're giving us as much information about themselves as we're giving to them and now we've got to find a way to meld these together to give them the best version of themselves and help and they help us give them the best versions of themselves so i think it's really a a really important partnership it's not a it's not a do this it's not a non-negotiable thing yeah there's always non-negotiables for sure for sure there is but not everything's non-negotiable and i think being able to work with personality a work with personality b work with personality c so that they can find the best version of themselves in the net that's what we're looking for because a b and c they're built differently anatomically they're built differently mentally they're built differently emotionally and we've got to find a way to figure all that out help them figure it all out so that they can rely on themselves when the chips are on the table. Yeah, I'm, and I forgot to mention Mikey DiPietro. He just wasn't top of mind because he was off practice today. But another guy who, again, you know, we're looking at the, you know, him and Silovs and and Spencer, and they all they're post integration. There there are things that are all the same and, and principles at place, but the way they execute is unique to each one of them. And and so I just love that because I think sometimes even at Ingle, we'll put on a drill and people think that this is like, hey, you have to do it this way. It's like, no, it's tools in the toolbox. Everybody try it, see if you like it. Um, and and that process seems to be playing out in real time for you guys. What um, what can you tell me, just because we're massive fans of his, I haven't got it. We just ta- I just talked to Spencer for the first time. Still haven't had a chance to get to know Arturs. Um, but Mikey DiPietro, what's he like to work with? Because I remember even when the draft, like, He's not going to leave any stones unturned, is he? No, no. And I think, you know, I think that's what's most endearing about Michael is that, you know, he still has that, he still has that old school mentality where it's like, there's a brick wall, run through it. And he will do, he'll still do that. I think uh, it's, it's explaining to Michael why you don't have to run through that brick wall, but still being able to get to the place that you want to get to. Um, I think that's the... That's the great challenge with Michael is that he is a, you know, he's a, he's a wild stallion. And I think those are like, and I think they, I think they all are. And I think that's the coolest part about, about what I get to do on a daily basis is like, I don't have to go to these guys and say, Hey, you need to work harder. Like that's never an issue. Like our non-negotiables are never an issue with these guys. And I think that is you know, a credit to, you know, the scouts and the management and really finding, finding these guys because, you know, they're so, they're so easy to work. I don't want to say it's easy, but like, they're so easy to work with because like, there's, there's things that you don't have to pry out of them. It's like, it's just so much fun. Like really, I don't know how to explain it other than that because it's, it's a, the, the challenges is, is getting them to find the best versions of themselves, but it's not hard to do it because they're so willing. They're so hardworking. They have character off the charts. They're likable teammates. They're, they're lovable people. 
and they're just willing to do whatever it takes. Michael, and I guess we'll switch back there because it was actually, I remember when he switched to Mikey and I actually had to ask him at World Juniors, how do you want to be called? And we went to Mikey, but he may be switching it back. So I got to be careful here. So Michael, not the biggest goalie, you played at five foot 10. Are there any things that, or any advice you would give to other young goalies that haven't hit that growth spurt in an era where we're always looking for square footage? Sometimes to a fault, I think. Uh, You know, some teams go, they look so big and yet won't look two inches under the ideal. Um, anything from your experience that you can relate to him or has the game changed so much that the mind, or is it a mindset thing? How do you? Yeah. You, you know what? Like, I can't believe I just asked a small goalie question, but I went there. Yeah. No, like, of course it's harder for small goalies, but there's some goalies that are on the larger end of the spectrum. It's hard for them too. So like there, there's, there's also a give and take. Um, the, th- I think the, the coolest thing is watching, watching smaller goalies and how they use their feet. And I think the biggest challenge, and I would challenge six guys that are six foot two or six foot three, to have feet like a guy that's five foot ten or six feet. UC Saros is an example we hear all the time. For yeah. sure, it's like challenge yourself to have feet like this, and then see where your game can get to. Instead of just being like I'm, I'm the big goalie. I'm just going to get hit with pucks. You know, work, work, and and then put yourself in position to get hit by more pucks because you're working like a guy that's six feet tall. I think sometimes at the younger ages, because they can get away with the size, they don't have to develop that those skills on their skates that a Saros wouldn't have had a choice. Exactly. Yeah. So you 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 take it back to the race. This is how six foot two, six foot three, six foot four goalies can keep winning the race is by, you know, challenging themselves in different ways. And I think that's, that's a big, that's a, that's a big thing for me is like, I look at all the smaller goalies, they have great feet. They can't survive in the national hockey league without having great feet. If I'm a six foot two, six foot three, six foot four goalie, I'm watching, how does a six foot tall goalie have success in this league? And I'm looking at that and I'm like, okay. And if I can see that, I'm going to start to really apply that, apply myself to get better at that. So maybe I become an even better version of myself in there. So the big goalie, small goalie debate, like if you're going to get there, like be patient. You can't teach size. Unfortunately, we can teach you how to present bigger. You can't necessarily teach size, but we can teach you how to look bigger at least. Awesome. Hey, listen, uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, you talk about that process and developing things. I'm so happy that these guys have you. I'm selfishly happy to have you back in the area so we get to talk like this. I know that may not be good for you. You got to put up with me again, <laughs> but so great to have you out here in Abbotsford and uh, working with the Canucks closely. And I promise uh, I'm going to annoy the crap out of you, but I guess hopefully they gave you a bonus clause for like the Woodley clause. <laughs> crap, I got to deal with this guy, but just I can't thank you enough for the time today, Curtis. Yeah, no, thanks. It's been a pleasure. It's, it's been a lot of fun. The Woodley clause. If if it doesn't exist in his contract right now, it will in the next deal. After that, uh, that was that was a fun conversation. Where do you guys do that? Uh, did you, was it on Zoom or did you guys were you able to do it no. in the ring? In person, if my voice is a little muffled, it's because I'm talking through a mask. I'm wearing a mask in it. Um, We were out at the rink in Abbotsford, uh, Abbotsford Entertainment Center, and it's it's a really nice rink. And so 
they had wrapped practice and you're going to see like, like folks, you're going to see a lot of AHL American hockey league drills and footage up in the coming months, uh, at ingolmag.com and, and, and for our Ingol premium subscribers, because these guys practice a ton. They're playing weekend games. They got five days between where they practice. Practices are like an hour and a half. The goalies are out early. The goalies are out late. Um, just a really great opportunity to, watch a really good goalie coach in Curtis Sanford. And then we had Freddie Brathway here last weekend, got to catch up with him and watch him do some drills with Dylan Ferguson. Um, there's a lot of time to work on your game down there, it seems. And so we're going to be there as often as we can to capture that and share it with you. Uh, awesome. Can't wait to just eavesdrop uh, through the eyes of uh, Woody, through the lens uh, of Woody. And Hutch, uh, I know a little Hutch has been uh, recalled, uh, getting a little bit of a a taste of the BCHL this weekend. Uh, I'm not sure how much he's going to play or if he's going to play, but uh, congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, we don't know. He's going to back up tonight and he's going to find out after tonight's game if he gets the start on Sunday. Uh, obviously, he's really hoping that's going to happen. But uh, yeah, exciting times. Exciting times. I'm thinking based on what you just said there, though, Darren, before, um, the Woodley Clause is like, he, we've got these two-way contracts. I think there's going to be some two-way structure in the American League about the Woody Clause going down to these American leaguers because now he's really all over them. He's got two, two cities to deal with. I think it's actually real because I had an NHL goalie coach say to me once, he's like, Hutch, some of these guys love talking to Woodley. It's true, but there are a couple of guys, they hear Woodley's in the building and they run for the back room. So it's it's true, boys. There's a wood. It may may not be an actual no. clause, but there's a Woodley thing out there. Well, I'm a giant pain in the ass for sure. They all know when they come to Vancouver, like, oh my god, the ones only if there's only if you have to catch a bus within two hours. If you have to catch a bus within two hours, there's no way uh, guys you can do it. Buses so you gotta go, to Woodley. Yeah. Well, we yeah. we know, right? Talking about his buddy Freddie Anderson, I think Freddie missed the bus, and Woodley had to drive him back to the hotel. So that's probably all part of it. Yeah, that actually happened. And we recorded an interview a while we were times. driving to the hotel and used it on the Angle Radio <laughs> podcast. So yeah, yeah see, like I, uh, I, we I am get a bit this of pandemic a... behind us, so there can be more talking in Woodley Cars sessions. Listen, some of them like me. Camp Talbot was kind enough to, on a game day, come out of the room, like knew it was me. Was like, yeah, came out, and we did a pro reads um, in the hallway. And it's going to be, there's going to be a little Blair Witch to the, to the camera work because it was me trying to run the video because we got to maintain a distance. I can't hold the microphone under his chin. Like it's a little awkward to manage it. And I'm trying to video what he's pointing at on the, on the computer. So there might be a little Blair Witch, but uh, we went over three saves and, and we've been telling our readers at Ingle Premium, like um, now the guys are coming through town again, hoping to, you know, get some new voices, get some, some of these guys on pro reads. And thanks to Cam Talbot for taking five minutes out to go through say three, three different saves that will appear in the coming months uh, at ingolmag.com in our pro read section. And there's a guy that's worked his way into the Team Canada conversation for Beijing as we uh, discussed the American and the Russian uh, potentials for the Olympic Winter Games. Uh, thanks to uh, Curtis Sanford for stopping by. What a cool story. Just love the billet story and uh, why he fell in love with the position, wanted to get involved in that, that uh, turnaround and, and being on the ice with Ian Clark and just being wowed, like, holy he basically been self-taught uh, for, for the long time. Uh, and thanks to uh, Cam over at the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for Sports Surrey, the presenting uh, sponsor of Ingold Radio, the podcast, Sensorina, Sensorina VR for our feature interview. And you, uh, the goaltender, for uh, listening and staying with us. Uh, give us uh, your thoughts, your reaction. We love hearing from you. We've got some great notes uh, in the last week, and we'll start uh, 
making sure that we're organized, not just scrolling through IG uh, on the uh, on the day of the the podcast. Uh, have a great week, everybody. <laughs>